The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Second Chronicles chapter number 33, we began last Sunday really looking at Manasseh, King Manasseh, as the rebellious boy king. Twelve years old when he took the throne, Hezekiah, of course, was his dad, Hezekiah, had uh, a good reign, and then God gave him an additional 15 years for he prayed to the Lord, and God heard his prayer. And uh, God extended his life those 15 years. And during that 15-year period, uh, he and his uh, wife uh, had a son. And they call that son Manasseh. And uh, we see here that uh, Manasseh, now is going to take the throne. And so follow along as I read here a couple of verses. Second Chronicles 33, verse number 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Like Unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord. Whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem, shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Now, that's not just sacrilege. That is outright rebellion against God, shaking your fist in the face of God as God here is being pushed out of his own temple and pagan gods are being uh, replacing uh, Jehovah God in, uh, in the house of God. Scripture goes on and tells us now in verse 6, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and with wizards. Uh, He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they may take heed to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses." So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. 
God, this morning, as we continue looking at the life of Manasseh, I ask that, Lord, you would allow this passage of Scripture, uh, Lord, to give hope as we recognize there are many, maybe in our own life, that have walked away from the Lord and have gone deep into sin and have rebelled against you and your word and your will for their life. And our hearts are broken for them in this moment. And we're wondering, is there any hope? Is there any way back? Is there any reviving in that life? And the message from the life of Manasseh this morning is, yes, there is. And God, as low as Manasseh has gone into sin, what a blessing that you're the God of all mercy. Lord, I pray that today your word would help us and help those we love. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have been examining these kings of Israel in our Sunday morning time, and, and really we've looked at some pretty wonderful, wonderful kings that have been both in and outside the will of God. Uh, we saw Jehoshaphat and how at one time he's bringing revival and then he's joining affinity with Ahab. We, we see him up and we see him down spiritually. Uh, we've studied the life of Uzziah. And God mentioned there uh, a, a godly king, a good king. Uh, Jotham, his son, also a good king. And we rejoice in those kings that followed after the heart of David and after the Lord. But Jotham had a son by the name of Ahaz who did wickedly, the Bible said. And uh, Ahaz is the one that introduced to the nation of Judah the sacrifice of children to the pagan gods. And these children would literally be burned alive here in sacrifice to those pagans. Ahaz introduced that and God had to judge Ahaz and and God uh, allowed his son Hezekiah to come to the throne and Hezekiah said, I'm not going to follow dad's path, I'm going to follow the path of granddad. I'm going to follow Hezekiah's path. Some of you right now have children and you're worried about your grandchildren and they're they're thinking, uh, uh, which way are my grandchildren going to go? Here's a passage where there was a son that reached back not to the wickedness of dad, but to the godliness of a grandfather and a grandmother. And that ought to give you some hope here this morning in recognizing that uh, God is able to change the direction of a family and cause it to get back on the right path. So Hezekiah had a, a life of blessing from the Lord and God was answering miraculous prayer. And Hezekiah, uh, he was a part of a, a national revival that came now to the land of Judah. And then he had a son. And some of us, we look at the life of Manasseh and we go, what happened? How, how does a 12-year-old boy that's raised by a godly mom and dad go so wrong? How, how does a 12-year-old boy from that young age have a hunger and thirst for the occult, for wickedness, uh, for gods of fertility? Uh, the god of, of, of uh, Manasseh's world was the god of, of sexual uh, fulfillment. The god of this young 12-year-old were pagan gods. 
that, uh, uh, that were replacing the true God in the land. And so last week in your uh, insert, and, and I have the first three points right there at the beginning that we were able to look at, we saw in the life of Manasseh that he, number one, deserted the faith of his father. And that we've just read in verse number one and verse number two where it said, at 12 years old he began to reign, and he did, verse two, that which was evil. Dad is seeking to honor God. The son is doing evil. So he deserted the faith of his father. Number two, he saw last Sunday that he duplicated the godlessness of the heathen. So in the text, we see here that he went after the abomination of the heathen and did worse than the heathen did. He, he out-paganed the pagans. Uh, he was worse than those that had no exposure at all to God. It's an amazing thing. Here, all the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. All the privilege here of having an opportunity to be around godly men like Isaiah, one of the prophets that was a a counselor to dad, uh, a counselor here to Hezekiah. I mean, just the court that's filled with people that want to honor God Seek God's face, a a, a revival that permeated the land. And yet now we see this young boy seeking to duplicate all the godlessness of the heathen. And then verse 3 through 6 is he goes beyond it by defiling the temple. And again, this is no small matter. You know, it's one thing to sin in secret. It's one thing to do wickedness in secret. It's one thing here to have a, a, a duplicit kind of a life where, where in secret we've got uh, uh, these uh, dark things that are going on. But on the surface, on the outside, oh, it looks like we're, 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 we're good and when we're seeking God. That's, that's one issue, but that's not this issue. This rebellion is blatant, open in your face. This rebellion of Manasseh is, hey, let's get rid of Jehovah. Let's get rid of the priesthood. Let's clean out the temple and uh, clean out anything that reminds us of Jehovah. Let's go ahead and actually bring in idols into the temple. And the Bible tells us into the very holy of holies. The inner and uh, the outer chamber. And here the scripture tells us that Manasseh was as upfront with his godlessness as you possibly could be. And let me remind you, he started as a 12-year-old boy, and God identified him as evil. He did that which was evil, deserted the faith of his father, duplicated the godlessness of the heathen, and he defiled the temple and temple worship. And that is something here that uh, introduced us to the character. So let's go into some new material here uh, this morning as uh, we continue to look at verse number seven i'm going to read verse six first of all and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of hinnom that horrible practice ceased 30 years before when granddad was removed from the throne and hezekiah his son came to the throne that wicked practice of taking your infant children and and having them sacrificed to a pagan god well Manasseh says, we're going to resurrect that. Manasseh said, we're going to bring that back. 
Manasseh said, we're going to have child sacrifice again in the land because we want to please these pagans. We want the power that the pagans can offer. We want that mystical power that the sorcerers and witchcraft can bring. We're desiring for that darker power from the enchanters and the witches and those with familiar spirits and the wizards. By the way, young people, you flee from that stuff as quickly as you can. Parents, you have some discernment when it comes to what your family reads. We were in a a restaurant here the other day having a a meal with a pastor, and the pastor's talking to the gal that's uh, serving us, and uh, he just kind of wanted to strike up a conversation. So he says, what's your favorite movie? And uh, they were talking about Universal Studios and all that was coming in there at Universal Studios. Uh, And uh, help me with it. Harry Potter. So all of Universal Studios is going to have a whole Harry Potter area. Well, here this quote-unquote Christian waitress says, well, my favorite books are the Harry Potter books. And I'm thinking, what Bible-believing Christian has any, anything uh, in common with that which is in the realm of the satanic? And I'm, I'm going to say it like, like it needs to be said. Folks, you're playing with areas that are so dangerous. You're playing with things that are going to open up doors of real heartache and heartbreak. Uh, There is going to be, as you open up the door into this fantasy world of the wizards and and, uh, the, the, uh, the good witches and the bad witches and this and that, and it's all comes down here to um, that which God is against. That's not from God. All right, that's from Satan. And we've got to recognize that as parents and help our teenagers and help our children and not to be fascinated with those kinds of things. But this young 12-year-old, he was. And so he gave himself to the enchantments. He gave himself to witchcraft. He wholly rebelled after, the, after these wicked things. Oh, that God would help us here uh, to go a different direction. So... Number four in our notes, picking up from last week. Let's look at this. He deceived the nation into rejecting God. He deceived the nation. Look at verse 7 and 8. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. So he begins with deception. Let me tell you, when you start getting in the world of the occult, deception is the name of the game. Deception is that number one sin of Lucifer. Uh, He deceived uh, that third of the angelic host. And in his deception, he rallied around an army to rebel against God. And they were thrown out of heaven. And this deceiver, the Bible tells us, that's his role, that's his function, that's what he does. He's a destroyer, but he's also a deceiver. And so there's a deception that's taking place. God is being uprooted. God is being chased from his house. Jehovah here is not being spoken of, but all of the pagan false gods of the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Philistines and the Phoenicians, those are the ones now that are replacing 
the true God. And, and their cheerleader, Manasseh, is the one that has single-handedly turned a nation back to godlessness. So he deceived the nation into rejecting the Lord. First, he replaced the focus of biblical worship. Remember, everything his dad did, he undid. And if his dad undid something, he redid it. So if his dad took out the groves, he put the groves back in. If his dad established cleansing the temple, getting the filth out, let's establish proper worship, he says, no, let's bring the filth back. So everything in the mind of this little Manasseh was anti uh, dad and uh, anti-God. So he replaced the focus of biblical worship. He rejected God's clear will. Oh, that was established by David and Solomon in the dedication of the temple. This is God's house and God's house alone. And he rejected that. And then verse 9 lets us know that he required his own people to do even worse. Look at verse number 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. He made them. He forced them. He wanted them a part of this pagan and paganistic system that he was establishing. Bringing back here these uh, pagan gods into the worship. And uh, we see that deception was at the heart of it. So Manasseh deserted the faith of his father, uh, duplicated the godlessness of the heathen, defiled the temple and temple worship, and now he's deceiving the nation to reject God. It wasn't that long ago that they experienced the national revival, not only in Judah, but it spread up to Israel. And they came down for the first time in, in decades. They celebrated the Passover. People were flocking to Judah to serve God, honor God. They were bringing their offerings to the house, so much so that the Bible tells us that there were heaps all over the place because the hearts of the people were turned back to God. That's all gone now. That's all gone now. That's all destroyed. Whatever good was done is now undone. And we have in the life of Manasseh a full bore deception. So now number five, he disregarded the word of God. Look at verse 10 with me for just a moment. This is precious and also sad at the same time. Verse 10 says, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people. I want you just to pause for a moment and I want you to think about all the sins of Manasseh, all that he's doing in violation to the word of God, his hatred for God, his love for the occult. And yet God reaches down and God says, Manasseh. Manasseh. God wants to speak to Manasseh. God wants to grip the heart of Manasseh. God has a place of mercy for Manasseh. And he just speaks. I am so convinced that there are folks that all of us know and love that in our hearts and minds we see them so far gone that we almost stop praying for them. Because in our hearts we've just resolved to the fact that they're just so involved in the, the, the filth and they're so involved in the occult and the darkness that there's no coming back. And yet you have the still small voice of God 
He's crying out to your loved one too. He's crying out to that one that has strayed in, in your family. He's a gracious God. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. You say, how can you overlook those horrible sins of sacrificing children? God wants to speak to Manasseh. God's heart cries out to Manasseh. And yet, although what a blessing to see the Lord is speaking, not just to Manasseh, but to Manasseh's people, but they would not hearken. He disregarded the word of the Lord. You know, there's a day coming when everyone that knew better, that turned another way, will stand before the judge of all the earth. Every child that rejected Jesus Christ, that grew up in a good Christian home, that loved God and served God, every child that said, I'm going a totally different direction, I, 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 I can understand if Manasseh were the son of Ahaz. Then it kind of makes sense, right? Ahaz, he's the rebel. But when you have Hezekiah, the father of a revival... <laughs> As your dad, then you shake your head and you go, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's taking place. I don't know how he got so far away from the things of God. Well, it begins when you disregard the word of God. See, the desire of God was to speak. That was God's desire. But the deafness of the king is evident. He would not. Verse 10, but they would not hearken. They wouldn't listen. They made a decision not to listen. They, they could hear the voice of God, but they closed their ears to God's voice. And oh, we ne- need to desperately pray for those that under, are, are under the influence, that satanic influence, whose m- eyes are blinded and their ears are stuffed up. And they won't listen to God's word or God's spirit. I've heard of different individuals that we're witness to. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like, I mean, just, they're just normally sitting there. And somebody turns to them and just says, listen, let me ask you about your relationship with God. And they just blow up. I mean, they just rip into that person. And then a couple minutes later, they calm down and say, listen, I've got I've to you know, ask you to forgive me. But I was raised in a Christian home. And I've totally turned my back on all of that. And, and you just got the brunt of my anger against God. You know, that happens. There are people like that. Some people are raised in godless environments and they come to know the Lord. And there's others that are raised in godly environments and they go a different direction. It's sad. But we see here the deafness of the king and his decision not to listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where it begins. And when Manasseh says, I'm not going to listen, he's going to stay in that world of being deceived. He's deceiving others, but he's also being deceived. So, number six in your notes, I want you to see he destroyed the messengers of the Lord. Now, this is absolutely amazing. It's not in our text here. If you're Using your notes from last week, it's not even in there, all right? But I want you to go with me real quick to the companion passages. Second Kings, would you? Uh, 21, 
2 Kings 21, and I need you to see this for yourself because this is the passage that gives us Manasseh and some details that we're not going to find in 2 Chronicles 33. Here in 2 Kings chapter number 21, we're going to get some insight into what was taking place in Manasseh's wicked little heart when it came to the Word of God. 2 Chronicles, we just... The Lord spoke to Manasseh and the people. Here in 2 Kings, we get how God spoke to Manasseh. And let's look at it, verse number 10 of 2 Kings 21. The scripture says, And the Lord spake by his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations, and hath done wickedly above all, that the Amorites did, which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria, and the pulmit of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies, because they have done that which was evil in my sight, and have provoked me to anger since the day their father came forth out of Egypt, even unto this day. Now I want you to get this next verse, because it's so critical to understanding the depth of Sid that Manasseh went to. Verse 16, moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Beside this sin wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. All right. This point is simply he destroyed the messengers of the Lord. What did Manasseh do? Well, first of all, we see in the text the boldness of the prophets. That's how the Lord spoke. By the way, when things get dark, the prophets need to speak. Uh, when, when the world goes one way, somebody has to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. When, when the whole world is convinced that black is white and white is black, somebody needs to stand up and say, no, 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 God says this is moral, this is immoral, this is right, this is wrong. Our authority is not ourselves. Our authority is God himself and his word. That's the vital authority. And let me tell you, it's easier uh, keeping the mouth shut. It's an easier thing not to speak on those things. It's an easier thing just to let it slide, but these prophets would have none of it. They said, listen, this is what the Lord wants Manasseh to hear. This is what the Lord wants the people to hear. Judgment is coming. That's what he wants. That's the message. Can you imagine if these prophets did not do what God wanted them to do? Can you imagine if they held their tongue? Can you imagine if they just kept their mouths closed? But that's not what happened. 
And the end result was bondage. Because from verse 11 through verse 15, God said, listen, I'm going to wipe you like a man wipes a bowl, a plate. You're going to go into captivity. The enemies are going to destroy you. Bondage is coming. Listen, you can't go the way of man. And you can't go uh, uh, this uh, uh, route of um, this wickedness and this anti-God heart and not face the judgment of God. And here, the bondage uh, was going to be severe for Manasseh and his people. Manasseh is going to be captured and he's going to be taken off into captivity. And then verse 16 gives us this thought, the blood of the innocent. Now, I'm going to just read a little bit from the writings of a Jewish historian, Josephus, and many uh, that have looked at Old Testament passages and New Testament passages, and I'm referring to Hebrews chapter number 11. We have specific names of the uh, heroes of the faith that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, but then we have those that are unnamed. Uh, Others also, the scripture says. Uh, In Hebrews chapter number 11, um, and others had trial of cruel mocking and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Let me read from Josephus. In writing about this event said that he slew, this is Manasseh, all the righteous men that were among the Hebrews, nor would he spare the prophets, for he every day slew some of them until Jerusalem was overflowing with blood. This is Manasseh. This is the deviant. This is the evil child that wanted nothing to do with God. Josephus goes on and says, I'm sorry, this is a commentator, there is a very substantial and long-lasting Jewish and Christian tradition that it was during this time that Manasseh put Isaiah in a hollow oak tree and had him sawn in two. Um... We wonder in Hebrews 11, who are these people? Could Isaiah have been one of them? Well, Isaiah, we know, was the prophet during this era that preached boldly the word of God. And Manasseh's hatred for the word of God was, I can deal with this. I'll just kill the messenger. And blood flowed in the streets. Again, put it in context of what's about to happen, all right? God is going to reach into the life of Manasseh. So, what's going to take place? Well, what is going to take place? He destroyed the messengers of the Lord, and so now judgment has come. Go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 33, and I want you to look at verse number 11 to see the judgment has arrived. 2 Chronicles 33, verse number 11. Wherefore? Verse 10, the Lord speaking to Manasseh. We learn from 2 Kings, how does he speaking? He's speaking through his prophets and his messengers. The people hear the word. The king hears the word. They reject it. They reject the word of the Lord. And now verse 11 says, wherefore? By the way, don't turn your heart from the word of God this morning. Don't turn your ears from the word of truth today. 
The word of God says, Wherefore the Lord brought upon him the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Number seven, he was deported into the land of the enemy. This is God's consequence for rejecting truth. Listen, there is always a price to pay when you go your way. Manasseh said, I'm not going dad's way. I'm not going God's way. I'm going my way. I'm going to do it my way. And there is a price that will be paid. And Manasseh is about to pay that price. So you have the consequences for rejecting truth. Verse 11, you see that he's captured among the thorns. Verse number 11. I don't know if that means that he went into hiding to try to uh, escape here from the Assyrians and thought, well, maybe I'll uh, tuck away here in, the, in, 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 in bushes filled with thorns. I'm not sure what the scenario was. But... We see here he's captured nonetheless and then he's carried away to Babylon and that's all verse number 11. They bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. He's deported. He destroyed the messengers that had a message of repentance and hope. Blood flowed in the streets. He said, I'll have none of it. I'm not going to listen. And now we see the judgment comes. Now in this state of judgment, would you look at verse 12? And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. That first phrase there tells us that he's disillusioned. By the impotence of his God. That's number eight. He's disillusioned. He's, he's enduring here this chastisement by the hand of God. The gods that he were, was serving, these pagan gods, have failed him. And now in his misery, he's calling out to the true God. So we have in his time of chastisement, there's contrition before God. There's a humility before God. And the Bible simply says in verse 12, he humbled himself greatly. And he starts having a conversation with God beginning in verse number 13. And prayed unto him. As dark as the first half of this chapter is, let me tell you, God is waiting for that moment that we'll just turn to him with our pride squashed in humility, with a contrite heart, we cry out to God, He's there. He's there. He listens. And so Manasseh begins this conversation with God. He prayed. And the most amazing thing happened. Look at after he prays, he's in affliction. He besought the Lord. He's seeking God. He's humbling himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And verse 13, and prayer, and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, 
and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom, then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. This is absolutely amazing, but God delivers by his mercy and his grace. You say, I don't know if I would have forgiven Manasseh. I know. (laughs) It's because we're human. I don't know. He butchered the prophets. I know. He led the whole nation into the occult. I know. He, he removed every symbol of Jehovah God and worship out of the temple. I know. He actually built pagan altars in the holy of holies. I know. God judged him. Yes. And in that judgment, he cries out to God. And God hears. What, a, what an awesome God. What a wonderful God. What a great God. He's the God of all mercy. He's the God of all comfort. He can reach to the lowest. And this morning, for you that have been praying for that stray, for you that have been praying for that grandchild, that child, that, that niece, that nephew, that cousin, that uncle, that father, that mother, and you've been praying for them, and you're wondering, how low can they go? Let me tell you, God has a way of getting people's attention when, when, when they're at that low, low point. And God can do some amazing things in changing a life. Some have looked at Manasseh as the counterpart to Saul of Tarshish in the New Testament. Slaying the blood of the innocent. And yet, what a wonderful picture, what a wonderful trophy of God's grace. And now in Manasseh's life, what do we see? He was delivered. God acknowledged his prayer of repentance. He entreated him. God answered his prayer. God heard him. And God allowed Manasseh to return home. He brought him again to Jerusalem. I don't know how that took place. I don't know what God had to do to intervene. I mean, he's the defeated king of Judah There is nothing uh, that, uh, there's no reason on the planet that Manasseh should be released. And yet we see that he is. And not only is he released, he's able to go home. And not only is he able to go home, but he goes to the throne. It's an amazing, amazing story of recovery. And I want all of us that have Manasseh's that we know in our life to hold on to this thought that God can bring repentance to that one that right now is far from God. Would you take hope in that this morning? Would you grab hold of that? Would you begin praying and saying, God, would you turn the heart of my Manasseh? And you plug in the right name. God, would you turn the heart of that one that seems so determined to get as far away from you as possible? God, would you humble him? Would you humble her? Would you bring her to this place of repentance? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.